It's Tank Fighter Worldwide for the week of May 18th, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Ever walk into a store and see a sign that says, Good, fast, cheap, pick any two. Well, for most things, that's true. Carbonite breaks the rules. Carbonite is an online backup service. Easy to use, secure, fast, depending on your internet connection, and inexpensive. In 2006, an insert in an office supply mailing told me about Carbonite. I signed up for the free trial, expecting to review it on the program, then drop it at the end of the trial period. Instead, I paid up, and I have continued to pay up. Carbonite is the future of backups, but you can have it today, and it's only going to cost you, at most, $50 a year. Some recent system upgrades to Carbonite's service make it an even better value. Carbonite was good when I talked about it a couple of years ago. Version 3.5 is better, lots better. For one thing, it's a must-have for anybody who's thinking about migrating from XP to Vista. Because Vista stores important files in different locations from XP, Carbonite's file migration wizard makes the process of upgrading a lot easier. The new version of Carbonite also includes backup scheduling, file versioning, incremental backups, advanced file type selection, and the ability to select your own private encryption key. All files stored on Carbonite servers are encrypted, meaning nobody else can read them. But if you're the paranoid type and you want to select your own key so that you're sure that absolutely nobody will ever be able to read them but you, keep in mind that if you forget the key, your files are gone. Now, I know that I could easily secure my own private key in a way that it would be available to me at all times. I'm still passing up on that opportunity, though. I'll let Carbonite manage the key. Advanced users will like the ability to schedule backups, retrieve previous versions of documents at versioning. Carbonite automatically stores multiple versions of files going back at least 90 days, so if you overwrite a file by accident, you can restore the earlier version. That also addresses a concern I expressed in 2006. If a virus attacks files, as, for example, did the I Love You virus, An automatic backup system would overwrite a good backup with damaged files. Versioning would let you get the good files back. Another plus, and one that makes backups faster, is called block-level incremental backup. So, for example, if you have a 3-megabyte Excel file and you change just one cell, just the information from that one cell will be backed up incrementally. And if you should shut down your computer, or it crashes after it has backed up 3,999,999,995 bytes of a 4-gigabyte file, the process won't have to start over when you turn the computer on again. Carbonite will remember where it was and back up just the remaining 5 bytes of that 4-gigabyte file. Well, recently I had the opportunity to speak with Carbonite CEO David Friend, and we started by talking about some of the newest features. Versioning is a big one. So, uh, you know, basically we save multiple versions of your documents for 90 days, and that's three times longer than our main competitor does. So, you know, if you want to roll back to the version of uh, 
of some Word document that you did, you know, a week ago or something like that. You can you can easily do that with Carbonite. That's a feature that is available to users of Vista if you've got all of the bells and whistles turned on in Vista, but this is available even if you're not using Vista then. I know that I have heard from, and you probably have too, from people who uh, open a file and they're going to start working on that file uh, with every intention of saving it under another name. Uh, they delete all the text that's there, start writing, and then they save it under the old name. And boom, yeah, I, just yeah, <laughs> you've just killed your old document. I've done that myself many times. When you go to recover a file, it, let, it shows you a whole list of all the previous versions that it's stored, so you can recover whichever version you want. You've also got some new features for those who uh, maybe understand a few more technical details of, of backup and want to take a little more control. Scheduling, we actually uh, had came up with a very, I think, a, a very useful thing that our competitors don't have on scheduling, and that's what I call a blackout period. People like the fact that Carbonite just works continuously in the background, but uh, people who are working in an office environment where maybe you've got, you know, five or ten or more PCs sharing a network connection, sometimes they don't want backups to be going on during the day when people are struggling to get as much bandwidth as they can. So in addition to having the usual kind of scheduling, which is back up at this particular time of day, we also have don't back up between the hours of, you know, and normally you'd say, you know, nine to five or something like that. So what it says is Carbonite backup in real time except don't do it when the network is at its busy period. Previously, uh, when we spoke, you were uh, working on a version for Apple's OS X, and I noticed that's still mentioned on the website. Uh, how is that development coming? Well, that's on schedule. It's going into uh, test in May next month, and it's still slated for general release this summer. And what about Linux? Any plans there? Not really. It's just too small a market. You know, the Apple product is written so that it would basically run in Linux. We rewrote the Carbonite services, which is the core underlying features that does all of the uh, encrypting and communications and everything, so that it's completely machine-independent. So the only thing that's machine-dependent is the UI. Essentially, uh, because it's an online backup service, Carbonite is, is largely uh, at the mercy of whatever network speed the, the user happens to have. What do you do to, uh, to, to make things go as, as fast as they can go? Well, we obviously, you compress and deduplicate at the PC end. So, uh, you know, we, we compress everything using the best compression algorithms we can find. We can even squeeze a little bit more out of JPEGs and MPEGs. And then, you know, you want to deduplicate so that you don't send the because you, you'll find about 20% of the files on a typical PC are duplicates. And so you want to get those out of the way as quick as you can. And why can you tell people about security? A lot of people get concerned because they think, well, you know, this is an online backup and I'm going to take my files, you know, maybe my tax records or my all my financial records, and I'm going to put them on the Internet. Uh, and, and they start seeing all kinds of red flags. So actually, one of the new features in 3.5 is the ability to keep your own encryption key if you're really paranoid. And in that case, you know, Carbonite has no ability to restore that data if you lose your key. But in any event, our policy is never to deal with 
unencrypted data. So everything is encrypted with the strongest commercial encryption algorithms that we could get, which in this case is 448-bit Blowfish encryption. Just strong enough that you can export it, but not so strong that you know you can't export it. Much stronger than what most people use for credit card transactions and electronic banking. We don't ever want to be sending unencrypted data over the wire. How's the online backup business overall going these days? We've gone from kind of a standing start two years ago to, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers and well over a million dollars a month of revenue now. When I look at our competition, I mean, aside from a few other backup companies, you know, external hard drives are clearly the the competing technology. I think the stars are, are aligning more for us than they are for them. The external hard drive thing, you know, a few years from now probably will look pretty clunky. Bandwidth is getting cheaper and faster and, uh, you know, the the cost of services like Carbonite is only going to come down to the point where, you know, it's going to be a lot more cost-effective than an than external hard drive as well. I'm old enough to remember backing up to floppies at one point. <laughs> yeah, so am I. <laughs> That's Carbonite's CEO, David Friend. The bottom line on Carbonite, it's the fastest, easiest, most reasonably priced backup system you'll find. Carbonite is exactly the kind of backup system I would design if I was smart enough to design a backup system. I'm not, but David Friend and company are. For less than $5 a month, you can safeguard your photos, music, financial records, and anything else that's on your computer. I could say that you're crazy if you don't sign up, but that would be mean and judgmental. But you're crazy if you don't sign up. The interview with David Friend was one that I conducted via Skype. Quality isn't necessarily better or worse than a standard telephone, as you probably noticed. Frequency response is definitely better. The echo is a lot worse. I didn't spend a lot of time setting up Skype when I interviewed David, and several days later I found a hidden danger that Skype installs by default. So if you have Skype installed and you haven't changed the basic settings from what was installed, you're going to want to change something. I was working on a report for TechBiter Worldwide when a message popped up. It looked sort of legitimate. I used Vista. My first thought was that it was a Vista protective warning. Well, then I looked a little bit closer. Skype's chat function had displayed a message, and it showed me a link that it wanted me to go to. The message said, Attention! Security Center has detected malware on your computer. Then it gave me a list of affected software, just exactly in the format that Microsoft uses. It then recommended that I go to onlinemon.info. Well, onlinemon.info certainly isn't Microsoft. What made the message a little bit more believable than normal was that earlier in the morning I had visited a website in error, and that website tried to plant a drive-by virus. AVG Antivirus spotted it and killed it before anything bad could happen. But then, a few hours later, here was this message telling me that my computer was infected. It would have been real easy to take the bait. But I didn't. The message clearly had been formatted in a way to look like something that Microsoft would send right down to the list of affected applications. But Microsoft doesn't do things like this. The longer I looked at the message, the clearer it was that it was entirely bogus. And as for onlinemon.info, well, I decided to see just how honest onlinemon.info is, but not with a Windows machine. I grabbed a Mac PowerBook and visited the site. OS X on a Mac is unlikely to be affected by anything the operator wants to do to me.
as soon as I got to the site, it started scanning my machine. It was showing me Windows information. It was scanning a Windows file system on my Mac OS X, which doesn't have a Windows file system. Well, having finished the scan, and that took about a minute, it told me that, oh no, my system was infected, and it offered to fix the problem. Well, first of all, a full scan would take far longer than a minute. When I canceled out of the process, the site warned me that my computer wouldn't be clean unless I continued. If you have a Windows machine, don't try that at home. Well, it was time to fix Skype. I saw the message in the first place because of the illogical and unsafe way Skype is configured by default. I drilled down in the setup panel to privacy settings and found that by default, Skype will allow calls from anybody. It will allow chats from anybody. And that is, in fact, what Infomon.com used to contact me. And it shows my status on the web by default, to anybody. Well, those are stupid. They're beyond dumb. They are stupid. Why would you do that? I do allow Skype to start when I start the computer, but I don't want my presence to be advertised. If you want to be interrupted, bothered, pestered, well, then allow calls from anybody. That's fine. If you'd prefer not to be, then change the setting to allow calls from only the people you know. Online Mon exploited the default Skype setting that allows chats from anybody. That just borders on criminal stupidity. I know there's no criminal charge for stupidity, but there should be. Turn this off. It should be off by default. The final setting to change on what I now call the insecurity panel allows your status to be shown publicly. Turn that off, too. If you have Skype installed and you want to see the settings, check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. You'll see some screen captures there that show the default settings and show the settings I recommend. Time for the stupid spam of the week, and congratulations to the writer of a spam that actually got the meaning and spelling of the word lose right. Lose, as in the present tense of lose, lost, lost, and not loose, as in the opposite of tight. I really don't quite understand how people confuse loose with two O's, and lose with one O. But spammers aren't the brightest bulbs in the package, so I do have to congratulate this one for mastering the simple difference between lose and loose. The spam suggested that I probably didn't want to lose my girlfriend. It, does my wife know about this girlfriend? Well, it wasn't written the way a native English speaker would write it. You do not want to lose your girlfriend? Question mark. That's, at best, a clumsy attempt at a rhetorical question that should have been an exclamation. You don't want to lose your girlfriend. There was also that overly formal, you do not, where a native English speaker would most certainly use don't. Well, there are so many clues that reveal this as bogus within the first three seconds that why should you read further? Well, normally I wouldn't, of course, but I thought I'd see what else was in this spam. The drugstore works all over the world with clients from several continents because, and I quote, now you must not drugstore at your region. Well, in fact, I have never once drugstored, and in fact, I didn't even know that drugstore was a verb. Well, it isn't a verb, of course. Uh, yet another clear indication that the message was not written by a native speaker of English. It is comforting to know that there are special prices for you guaranteed, but I still think I'm going to use my own local pharmacy. Reason for some think I that wrote this spam, Yoda did.
And as for that licensed drugstore, it's, it's running on a geocities.com website. Pretty unlikely, I think. In early news, Blu-ray seems to have won the war but is now losing battles. With the economy approaching near or in a recession, sales of Blu-ray players and discs are off. HD DVD is gone, and Blu-ray has the market to itself. But Screen Digest media analyst Richard Cooper says it's going to be slow going for a while. A while, according to him, would be at least until the end of this year. Once the format war ended, sales of Blu-ray players nosedived, and now sales still haven't managed to climb back up even to January's levels. Cooper says PlayStation 3 sales will have an effect on the market because the game console can be used as a Blu-ray player. That could help sales in the U.S., but not so much in Europe where PS3 sales have been low anyway. Both Blu-ray players and discs are relatively expensive, but adoption probably will begin to edge up as more people bring HD televisions into their homes. Cooper says Blu-ray won't account for more than a third of disc sales until after 2011 in the U.S. And if you look at European sales of Blu-ray discs, they are barely a blip. In some things, I'm an early adopter. When it comes to television, I tend to wait until the price comes down. Things might be different if I spent more time watching television. The old media continue to gobble up the new media. They're just trying to stay alive. So now the C in CNET is going to be standing for CBS. CBS is going to be spending $1.8 billion to buy CNET Networks, which owns, of course, CNET, a business site called BNET, GameSpot, TVCom, and the food site Chow. And in case you hadn't noticed, CBS also acquired the music website Last.fm and the financial parody site WallStrip. Uh, and they also, not too recently, acquired one called DotSpotter, celebrity gossip site. That last one probably has Edward R. Murrow spinning at about 78 RPM at his grave. CBS is buying eyeballs. CNET has a lot of eyeballs to sell. The purchase price, about 18 times earnings before depreciation and other non-cash expenses. CBS says it's going to leave the sites alone to do what they have been doing. But there is a good chance that some CBS news content will find its way to the sites, and that will probably cause Moreau to spin even faster. The acquisition will triple CBS's Internet revenue, according to analysts. In some ways, CBS is seen as a white knight who will save CNET from investors who had been trying to take control of CNET's board of directors because they were unhappy with the company's recent performance. Well, that's it for this week. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of May 18, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.